This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. What's going on, good people? Welcome back to the Destination Debbie podcast. You know who it is. It's your host, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ. Make sure you follow on the show at Destination Debbie. Check out the Destination Debbie YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Check out the Destination Debbie Instagram account. We are over there posting content. And if you want exclusive access to me, you know where to find me on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. A fantastic Debbie database with all types of players, rankings, cornerstone rankings, and the best Debbie community in fantasy football. Talking fantasy, college, NFL, redraft, dynasty, best ball, IDP, campus to Canton. We're doing that all day, every day. But I I just, I'm at a loss for words, you guys. I, I just really have no clue what to say, what to think about the fiasco that is the NCAA in the 2020 season. There are now, there are now reports that Big Ten officials, presidents, athletic directors, they are confused. They, they are they are confused as to the meeting that they had last week where they decided to cancel all fall sports. Now it's un, they're unsure if they actually took a, a formal vote. They, they don't even know. They don't know what happened. You know, well, come to think of it, the public announcement that we made as a conference, the hour long, the hours, the hours of meetings that we held to discuss going into that meeting, it was to discuss whether or not fall sports were actually going to happen within their member conferences, but they, they just don't know. They cannot recall seven days ago if that was in fact the decision that they made. 
and they are backpedaling faster than Patrick Peterson facing Tyreek Hill in man coverage. I, I, it just the incompetence of this entire situation is mind blowing. It is truly they should be ashamed of themselves to even put that lie in the atmosphere, to even put that lie on 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 paper. They should be ashamed of themselves. It is ridiculous. You are not confused as to what happened in the meeting. You're not confused about the public announcement that you made saying that the Big Ten Conference was were going to cancel off all sports. Like, stop. Stop the foolishness. Just say, just say, we messed up. We messed up and we prematurely canceled the season or... What really, you know, you know what really happened for those of you who play poker, they, they called and the other conferences called their bluff. And now the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are kind of looking like, oh, crap. You know, I, I thought that once we canceled our seasons, everybody would follow suit. I, I thought that once we did it, everybody else will follow suit. Well, the, the reality of the situation is and hey, if you're Big Ten fans, Big 12 fans, ACC Pac-12, all respect to you. But the biggest stick in that room, the biggest stick I'm talking about hanging down the side of those sweatpants is the SEC. And not one time during this entire pandemic have we heard any kind of rumblings from Nick Saban, from the defending champion LSU Tigers and Coach O, Florida, Texas A&M, we haven't heard one single stitch of we don't know if we're going to (laughs) play. The SEC, they were going to play if they were the only conference participating in football. They'd just play each other. The SEC, they, they were playing. The Big Ten truly thought that once they canceled their fall sport competition, that the other Power Five conferences would follow suit, and the Pac-12 did. But the Big 12, oh, no, no, no. UT said, we're playing. Oklahoma, we're playing. (laughs) TCU, Baylor, we're playing. Texas school said, we're all in. The SEC, we're playing. The ACC, Clemson and Dabo, they've been there from the jump. We're playing. We're playing. COVID or not, pandemic or not, we are playing. And now the Big 10 is looking ridiculous. They look incompetent. They've come out with this lie <laughs> that they don't recall what happened there. They're unclear. They're uncertain. And I, I don't know about the Pac-12. I don't know if the Pac-12 has the same kind of built-in excuse that they're about to pedal and push upon us. But I know the Big Ten has. And that came out today. Or You're listening to this tomorrow. This came out yesterday. So I'm sure we'll hear, hear more about this in the coming days. But what really got their attention was Justin Fields has started a petition that says we want to play. It's got over a quarter of a million people to sign that petition. University of Michigan parents, Jim Harbaugh, they're all complaining. They're they're seeking asylum in other conferences to get to play. It's just, (laughs) where's the NCAA? Radio silence from the NCAA, nothing. They want to tell these players that you can't start a GoFundMe to help a homeless person out. You can't, you can't raise money to give away. You can't do any of this. You can't work 
if you do work, it's got to be within these time. They they want to govern what the student athletes do from a financial standpoint. You know what you can accept, what you can't, what's permissible, what's not. If you transfer, you've got to sit out a year. But here in the height of a pandemic that a lot of us, we've never seen anything like what's happened in 2020. They've made no statement. They've come out with with no kind of stance on this, saying that these are these are the actions that we recommend as the NCAA. Nothing. Not a single thing, not a single peep has come out from the NCAA headquarters. Mark Emmert and all those other guys, nothing. So here's the Big Ten. They're, they're, they're backpedaling right now. They look ridiculous. And right now, we really don't know what's going to happen this fall. SEC's playing. Big 12, they're playing. ACC, they're still in. No clue what's going to happen with the Big Ten or the Pac-12. None. You know, the, the thought and the idea that these players can and will transfer, I don't know. I, I just don't I don't know how that works. I don't know how they can do that in the time frame that we're that that's sort of presented to them. I could tell you right now that spring ball is, you know, spring football. That's not happening. Nobody's gonna play in that. Head coach Colby Carthel here down here in Texas at Stephen F. Austin had a had a fantastic quote in the paper last week that said playing football in the spring makes about as much sense as eating soup with a fork. That's a head coach. Makes no sense. These Those players won't do that. And I've always maintained that the top players would not play this season if it was pushed back. And I still believe that. Now, if the season carries on this fall, yeah, some of those guys will play. We'll see how long. It's going to be interesting to see how the entire season and situation plays out. We've already seen some of the top prospects opt out on both sides of the ball. Caleb Farley, Rondell Moore, Micah Parsons, Rashad Bateman. They said no thanks to the 2020 season. Don't blame them. Get ready for the draft. Get ready for your your, your million-dollar employer. Go ahead and save your body and just train for that. But it's going to be interesting to see how players like Achuba Hubbard, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Kyle Trask out of Florida, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne from Clemson, the receivers, Deami Brown and Daz Newsom from North Carolina. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for them because it's not a matter of if somebody on those teams are going to contract COVID. And when that happens, what what's the advice of the parents, of the agents? And yes, I know they're not supposed to have agents until after the season, but I can assure you they've already identified who they want to work with. Those people may be having conversations with mama and daddy. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out for those that are playing. And the counter to that is the individuals who will not be playing because sports were canceled in the fall. And I'm talking Pac-12 and I'm talking Big Ten. There were players in both of those conferences that really needed a strong campaign this season to try to elevate and boost their draft stock. And because of the cancellation, they will not have time or they will not have an opportunity to show that. And the decision is, well, do we come back for potentially a senior season or do we declare off of our freshman and sophomore tape? And those that didn't play as freshmen, they only have sophomore tape production and numbers. And one of the players who has been negatively affected by this is C.J. Verdell, the running back from Oregon, sophomore 
last season, Rising Junior. They will not play this season, 5'9", 205. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons for Verdell. 1,018 as a freshman, 1,220 as a sophomore on less carries. Eight TDs, he's caught 41 passes in his career for 440 yards. I've always called him the DeAndre Swift light of the Pac-12. Very similar body stature, 5'9", 205. DeAndre Swift a little heavier. I think Verdell is just as explosive of an athlete that DeAndre Swift is. But Verdell was, was sort of that fringy, is he the fifth RB? Is he the sixth RB in this 2021 class? You know, after the big three, you've got a couple of, it's really, you know, after the big three, it's really just kind of, what's your flavor, right? Journey Brown, Kenneth Gainwell, and maybe we'll talk about another one of those players here in a few minutes, but CJ Verdell definitely has the talent, the versatility, and the skill set to be a contributor at the NFL level, and he he is deprived of that opportunity to play this fall, and it will be interesting to see if he returns for a senior season or if he decides to play this fall. I think what he's put on tape personally, the past two seasons, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, 41 receptions, I think that's enough for him to get drafted with decent draft capital. He was never going to be a first-round pick, maybe at the absolute ceiling. C.J. Verdell is a second-round pick in the NFL draft, but most likely a third, fourth-round pick for a running back who doesn't profile as a three-down threat at the next level. What's the sense of coming back? You know, and we had these same conversations about another player running back from the Big Ten, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon spent his first three years at Oklahoma, freshman, sophomore, junior season. Never really took command of that backfield. Decent stats every year. They're all right. You know, 700 yards, 900 yards. And last season, an injury, injury-filled season, only, only 385 yards. But he looks the part of a three-down threat at the next level. Six foot, 220 pounds. Hasn't caught a lot of passes in his career, but he doesn't look unnatural doing it. But something went on at Oklahoma. Something was going on with Trey Sermon where he was either in the doghouse, but he could never just be the guy. And this season was going to be crucial because he had that opportunity with J.K. Dobbins out of the way and with an unproven backfield at Ohio State. Transferred in, he was going to be the guy. He was going to be the lead running back in a fantastic offense led by Justin Fields. And we won't talk about Fields. Whether he plays or not, he's going to be a top pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Won't discuss Bateman, won't discuss Moore, won't discuss Fryer Muth. Those guys are locked and loaded. They, they don't need to do anything else. But Trey Sermon, this was going to be a big season for him. Unless they continue to backpedal and get out of their break and make the interception, they're not going to play. Big time, big time sort of just, you know, that really, that really sucks for a player like Trey Sermon, who... I have not formulated a concrete opinion on him one way or the other. I think he's okay. He reminds me of TJ Yeldon. That's who he reminds me of. And as talented as Yeldon was, he'd never really fired at the next level. But they run similar. They're kind of gliders. Uh, Sermon, you know, sort of glides, but he's powerful. Really reminds me of a TJ Yeldon type player. But again... It, 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 he's a big loser in this. C.J. Verdell, Trey Sermon, as well as another running back from the Pac-12 that a lot of people 
liked coming into the to the 2019 season and I even had a little bit of uh, a little bit of love and affinity for this player for a little bit and I'm talking about Washington State's rising junior Max Borgie Max Borgie is a player who all summer was drafted in the first round of Debbie startups let me just let me let me go ahead and bury the lead here elephant in the room he's a white running back so of course of course he's compared to Danny Woodhead and and, uh, Christian McCaffrey catches passes caught a lot of passes who doesn't catch a lot of passes at Washington State 53 catches as a freshman 86 receptions as a sophomore 86 catches for 500 yards 597 600 yards on 86 grabs 374 yards on 53 grabs let me tell you something let me tell you something. He is not Christian McCaffrey, and I don't even think he's Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead was a ridiculous athlete. At his pro day, ran a 4-3, I think a 38-inch vertical jump. His short agility, uh, short agility time would have been like tops at the combine. 225, crushed that over 20 times. I mean, he he would have tested like a 90th percentile athlete had he been invited to the combine. I do not believe Max Borky is that. 5'10", 197. Looks a little thicker than 197, probably closer to 200. But his rushing number, 72 attempts for 366 as a freshman, 127 for 817 as a sophomore. He's just okay. He's going to have a role at the next level. He's going to have a role. He's going to have a place on an NFL offense. But I think for fantasy purposes, he's not going to be what a lot of people want him to be. He's not that good of a runner in between the tackles. He's just not. And a lot of the passes that he catches, those receptions, they're extensions of the run game. He's not lined up out wide, running choice routes and options out of the backfield. He's not dynamic in that regard. If he hits the open field, he's got some juice and he can pull away from defenders, but he's not creating space. He's not breaking anybody down and he's not running through tackles. He's okay at best. (laughs) He's so far from Christian McCaffrey or Danny Woodhead. The only thing they have in common is they both play running back and they're both white. That's really it. That's really it. So people need to get off of the Max Borgie, Christian McCaffrey comparisons because it ain't there. It's not there. What is there is the NFL is back. The NFL is in full swing. We've got videos on Twitter, camp videos, camp catches, camp highlights. We are back. The NFL is going down. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL and with NFL Sunday Ticket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite sports team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, Demetric Felton, the wide receiver slash running back out of UCLA, is another one of those players that sort of is a big loser 
in all of this, all of the, the cancellations to the season, he really sort of had his coming out party as a junior last year, carried the ball 86 times for 331 yards, caught 55 passes for 594 yards, 925 total scrimmage yards and five touchdowns. This season, he was going to be the focal point of the UCLA offense. Felton, five foot nine, 189 pounds. He really reminds, you know, reminds you when you watch his game of how Tyreek Hill was used early in his career. He is not nearly as explosive as Tyreek Hill, but the kid can move, the kid can play, and he's sort of that ultimate chess piece, right? Where would he settle down at the NFL level? It would 100% be in that slot receiver role that, you know, from time to time, you can give him some jet sweeps out of the backfield. He can carry the ball. He can return kicks for you. But a dynamic player that this was going to be a season, finally found a home. This was going to be a season to shine. And unfortunately, because of everything that's gone on, that's it. I mean, you know, we're going to have to rely on that junior tape unless he decides to take a red shirt and come back for his red shirt season, senior season, which would make absolutely zero sense whatsoever. So there's a good chance that we have seen the last of Demetric Felton, but don't forget the name. Demetric Felton, wide receiver UCLA, come combine time, come combine time, he's going to be somebody that we are talking about and somebody that we're going to be like, hmm, maybe. This this may be a player that will invest, you know, fourth, third round rookie draft capital uh, during our rookie drafts next summer. So Demetric Felton, another loser in this who could see his value spike post combine and pro day. Now, one of the more polarizing players who is a big loser in all of this is Ohio State's rising junior wide receiver Chris Olave. Last season, Olave 48 catches, 840 yards and 12 touchdowns, 6 foot 1, 185 pounds. What's interesting about Olave, it's like you either love him or you hate him. There's absolutely zero in between. But he's in good company. He broke out at 19 years old in three months, you know, so that puts him a little bit behind. Rashad Bateman broke out at 18 years old, nine months. Justin Ross, 18 years old, eight months. Rondell Moore, 18 years old and four months. So Chris Olave's right there. Higher breakout age than Tylen Wallace. Higher breakout at younger, younger, so lower. <laughs> lower breakout age than Jamar Chase, Nico Collins, Terrace Marshall. So he's in good company. He's in good company, and he was productive as a true sophomore. This was his season to shine. This was Chris Olave's season to shine, and we're not going to count Ohio State out just yet. They're probably somehow going to find a way to play this season. And what Olave is, he's a very, very good route runner, and he creates separation with ease because he's pretty explosive. He can track the ball really well. The only issue with him is just he's just thin, right? At 6'1, 185. It's funny we're talking about 6'1, 185 being thin, and Devonta Smith is 6'1, 175, which is definitely a weakness to Devonta Smith's game. But 
Olave looks like he looks thin. He, he looks pretty thin, so hopefully he can add a few pounds without sacrificing some of that speed. But analytically, he's going to test out quite well. He's going to look quite well, and it just seems like either you love Olave or you can't stand him. You want nothing to do with him. I've actually invested a couple of picks in some campus to Canton leagues to get him because I do think he's going to have the draft capital. I don't believe there's any way that Olave makes it out of the second round of the NFL draft. Now, I do not believe he's going to be a featured wide receiver at the next level, but he's definitely going to be a player, a a slot receiver, potentially a number two. Gosh, I'll just get Devin Smith vibes. Got to scout the player, not the helmet. Come on, Ray. Tell y'all this all the time, but it's it's hard not to watch Olave play and not think he's got a little he's got a little Devin Smith in his game. Maybe a little and Devin Smith was pretty good. I was gonna say maybe a better player, but Devin Smith was pretty damn good. But Olave, another one of those losers that that did not or at this moment has not you know we don't know if he's playing or not. So right now Chris Olave fits that mold and probably the biggest. The biggest loser in all of this mess that the Big Ten is doing is Journey Brown, the running back from Penn State, because he did break out last season. I mean, everybody loves them some Journey Brown. I think Journey Brown is a fantastic running back. Got him top five in the 2021 class, but he's definitely a player that I can see returning you know, for next season to increase his draft stock even more. And if he did do that, if he came back and was going to declare for the 2022 class, I think he's the runaway favorite for RB1. Probably over Kenneth Gainwell, probably over uh, Brees Hall and Zach Charbonnet. I think he would be the overwhelming favorite to be the top running back in that class. At 5'11", 215 pounds, he definitely fits the mold and profile of a feature back at the NFL level. Productive sophomore season, very productive season where he was not expected to be the lead guy. They had Noah Kane. A lot of people liked Ricky Slade. And all Journey Brown did was run for 890 yards, 12 TDs, caught 15 passes, and looked explosive. Coming out of high school, he was like the fastest player uh, in his state, fastest track athlete in his state. There are reports that he broke Saquon Barkley's 40-yard dash time at Penn State with a 4.27, I believe, 4.29 40-yard dash for Journey Brown. And we know those hand times, those university hand times are a little inflated. But even if it's a 4-3 at 215, and Journey Brown's put together. And when he hits the open field, he gets to top end speed in a matter of steps. He's really, really fast. You know, it'd be, it'd be fun to watch him versus Chuba Hubbard versus Travis Etienne in a foot race just to see who the fastest and most explosive running back is. I still think Etienne's acceleration would get him off the line, but the long speed of Brown, the long speed of a Chuba Hubbard may edge him out. But Brown, is he's physical. We've, we've seen the run, beast mode-like run versus Memphis. We've seen him be dominant in big-time games versus Minnesota. Go back and watch the Penn State versus Minnesota game. He's a really talented running back, but he's one of those players that I do not know without a season, would he declare for the NFL draft? And none of us know anything, right? But taking my best guess, I would say no. I think Journey Brown is a player. I think he probably should, but I don't think he will. I think he'd be a player that would return 
one more season of college to kind of show what he has and then from there try to be the top dog in his class that's that's just my feeling I have no insider information about that whatsoever just sort of my gut feeling about Journey Brown and his production and what he's done so far far to through his career a couple of bonus losers from this situation that has played out in the Pac-12. Stephen Carr, the running back out of USC, came back for a senior season, was one of the top prep recruits coming out of high school and just could not stay healthy throughout his career at USC. It was going to be fun to watch him to see if he can pull it together. One last hurrah. Tyler Vaughn's also from USC, a wide receiver that I still think is pretty damn talented and I'm not ready to quit Tyler Vaughn's yet and never give up on Tyler Vaughn's, but him missing his senior season in the Pac-12 that is not ideal also quarterback Tanner Morgan from Minnesota now he does have another year of eligibility left but Morgan played very well last year and you know the depth after the big three in Lance Lawrence and Fields you got Jamie Newman you've got Kyle Trask Chase Bryce there had started to become some rumblings about Tanner Morgan maybe sneaking in there as QB4 in the 2021 class. So it's really unfortunate that Tanner Morgan won't get a chance to play this fall. And then there are other players who who are not going to get an opportunity to play. A lot of those guys are, uh, you know, they, they are sophomores. So they do, regardless if, if COVID happened or not, they were going to have to come back. Oregon State's running back. Jamar Jefferson, it was going to be fun to watch him to see if he can elevate his stock. You know, Master Teague, is he going to be able to play after suffering what I believe was an Achilles injury? And just to see how he would progress through that, it would have been nice to watch Pat Fryermuth. But, you know, players like Fryermuth, like Rondell Moore, like Bateman, like Fields, they don't need to play. They don't have to play. And we're just focusing on the offensive side of the ball for fantasy purposes. So this whole situation. Pac-12, Big Ten, NCAA, presidents knowing, not knowing, unknowingly taking votes that they don't know about. It's just a shit show. That's the, that's the nicest way that I can frame it. It is an absolute cluster. And hopefully at some point, the NCAA will get their act together because what is going on could have been avoided, could have been prevented. You know this was coming. You knew this was coming. Either have the safeguards in place to have a safe college football season for these young student athletes and measures in place to protect your other athletes or or scrap it like just say we're not doing it this is what it is here's the plan that we're going to do it in the spring this is the plan we're going to just reinstitute it in 2021 but the unwavering the wavering uncommitment from the NCAA and just the discourse between these member institutions just makes them look like a second-rate organization. It's a mess. Recruits are probably scrambling back and forth, and ultimately, the money is funny, so they're going to figure out a way to throw these players on the field and have a college football season. So Godspeed to those administrators. Godspeed to those university presidents. But regardless of what idiotic stuff they do, we got you covered over here at Destination Debbie. I appreciate you checking out this episode, Big Ten backpedaling their ass off. Make sure you stay locked in, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and come holler at me on patreon.com forward slash all gas for the best Debbie content on the planet. I appreciate you guys. Stay humble, stay motivated, stay blessed, hustle, 
locate your why, identify your why, and attack it with tenacity, aggression, and purpose. I'm rambling now. Y'all know what's next. Drop the music.